This word I have tonight is part two of, I, and I, <clears throat> I really want you to remember this title, okay? I want you to meditate on this title. I think I, I, think I actually verbalized it in the wrong way last week. I think I used a wrong word. I, I didn't even look back at, at what was on the screen, but I think I said faith for people. But if I did, it's faith for others. That's the title of my message. Faith for others. Keep thinking about what that means for you, for you to have faith for others. Jesus had faith. We read the story last week of Jairus' daughter. He had, he had faith. And, and Jairus knew he had faith. Okay, He had faith for the woman, the, the woman with the issue of blood, and she knew he had faith for her. See, he didn't heal the daughter or the woman with the issue of blood because he was the Son of God. He healed, those two people were healed because of his faith. Jesus didn't come to the earth to become something he already was. He left the riches of heaven to come to the poverty of this earth to become the Son of Mankind. He's our elder brother. He said so. He became the Son of Man, and He had to learn exactly the way you and I have to learn. And the difference in Him and you and I is that He never sinned, and because He never sinned and He died for you and I, when we do sin or we make mistakes, we can receive the power and the authority from Him to overcome every single time. Every single time. But the faith that He had for people is the same faith we have on the inside of us that was meant to be in action for others. But if I don't have some things down within myself and what we talked about last week, and I'm going to really drive the point home tonight, if we don't have this down within ourselves, that my faith is not just to be used for myself, but my faith is to be used for others, If if we don't get this thing right, time will continue to go on And God will tarry for another 2,000 years. Because what God, what Jesus is going to find when He comes back to the earth is not a remnant of people hiding in a cave somewhere. He's going to find people in faith in the midst of all hell breaking loose. Such a time as this have we been created. We're privileged to be able to live right now. Listen, there's all kinds of, for the lack of a better word, there's all kinds of crap going on. Everywhere. There is stuff everywhere. And I'm telling you, if you're doing anything for God, if you're doing anything with the Word, there is persecution coming against you. I promise you. Well, I don't know. No, there is. If you've got to think about it, you're probably doing nothing with the Word. If you're doing anything with the Word, there is stuff coming against you. 
Paul, after 40 years of living this life, after his Damascus Road experience, 40 years after that, he made this statement. He said, I glory in tribulation, knowing. I glory in tribulation, knowing. What? Tribulation brings about perseverance. Perseverance produces proven character. And proven character produces a hope that will never disappoint me. That's what he said. Forty years in ministry, he gloried in tribulation. What was he saying? (laughs) Devil fire the best you have. You're already defeated. You can't beat me. I, I, I can't let anything get in my focus and in my way of staying right with God. I can't let anything deter me. And I can tell you, we, we could sit here tonight and go down the list and we could all talk about things that, that potentially can deter us on a day-to-day basis. Some people it's one thing, some people it's something else. There's things that can deter us. I'm just telling you tonight, I can't let anything deter me. The message we ministered out of uh, James chapter 4 for a while about humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Drawing from the great grace that God has given us and resisting the devil and watching the devil flee because we find ourselves under instead of trying to figure it out and work it out ourselves. It'll never work. Ever, ever, ever. It will never work. So tonight, just for the next few minutes, I want to drive the point home about our tongue. And I want to look back at James chapter 3. James 3. We talked about it last Wednesday. We're going to talk about it again, not next Wednesday because it's worship, but the following. Verse, Verse 1, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers knowing that you will receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things, and if anyone does not stumble in word, the Amplified says, for, for we all often stumble and fall and offend in many things, and if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong things. Never says the wrong things. Do you think that God would put that in there if it wasn't possible? It wouldn't be in Scripture if it, was, if it wasn't possible to never say the wrong thing. What do you have to do first before you talk? Right? Two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you talk. Huh? Right? The key to never saying the wrong thing is listening and then observing and then counting the cost with what's going to come out of your mouth. See, most people don't believe that what they say affects anything. Well, I didn't really mean it. No, but you said it. We read the verse last last week. We won't necessarily go there. We'll just quote it. Proverbs 18.21, life and death are in the power of the tongue or what you say. 
Those that love it, either life or death, will eat the fruit of either life or death, death or destruction, or life and blessing. Most people, most Christian people, don't believe this passage of Scripture right here. Or they would never let anything come out of their mouth except what blesses God. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about what it's going to take to have faith for others. Faith for others. Anyone who does not say the wrong thing... He is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Now I want you to think about this tonight. What is your body doing that it shouldn't be? My wife was explaining to me about when she was a and she was a child watching her grandpa and her dad and her uncle or whoever put a bridle, a bit, in the horse's mouth on her, on her grandpa's farm. And she said, when the bit, right? When you put, you put the bridle on and then you put the bit. Is that right? And when the bit goes in, it goes on top of the tongue and it holds it down. And so later I was thinking, so what if you put that in there and it didn't go on top of the tongue? Man, you'd knock the teeth out and tear the tongue up and everything else. That's what people are doing all the time. Tearing all kinds of things up because it's not bridled. The bit's not in the right place. A man that never says the wrong thing because his tongue is bridled, he can control everything else that he does. Think about that. That means if I get my tongue in the right place, my body will always do the right thing. Wow. I won't eat the wrong thing. I won't look at the wrong stuff. I won't find myself in places that I shouldn't be. I won't do what is not pleasing to God if I control what I say. I don't know about you, but (laughs) my life is busy saying a bunch of really good stuff. The other day, I was with a guy, and he was talking bad about someone else. And I just stopped him. I mean, I'm just getting this way anymore. If you, if you say anything bad to me about anybody, I don't care who they are or what they've ever done. Charles Manson, I, I don't care. We're going to find something good about Charlie. And this guy was telling me this. I said, you know what? Stop it. He just got to look at me. What? said, I'm not listening to that stuff about that person. Okay. Let's think of something good to say. So we just said good things. How many people in your mind, in the back of your mind, that you have stored up, how many people do you think don't deserve to be talked right about? Because they did this and they did this and what about this and this and this and this and this? I'm just saying, a man that never says the wrong thing is the same as a perfect or a mature or a developed person able to bridle his whole body. Every single thing he does. What if, what if you were 
What if you were going to smoke a joint? And you're about to light up. And you step back for a minute and you listened. And God told you, God, you heard God say to you, don't do that. And you didn't do it. Would that be a positive thing for your body? Would that be positive in what you were doing? I'm just using some example, whatever. Let's just say you were going to eat two big old greasy cheeseburgers. You know, we use a joint. That sounds real spiritual to talk about drugs. And we'll, let's talk about a big old cheeseburger. And you're about to just dive into that cheeseburger. And you backed up for a minute and you were just asking God. Some people, you know, in, in James there it says, if you have not because you ask not, and if you ask and receive not because you ask amiss or you said things that you shouldn't say because you're not listening. So what if God told you not to eat that? And you didn't do that, what's happening? You're training yourself to do exactly what God wants you to do. It's not about what you can't have. It's about what you do right based on what He says. And when we get that right in our lives, when we get that right, we're, we're, we're in a position to have faith for other people and help other people learn to do the same thing. Not in a critical way about what they do, but they're in agreement with Him. Was Jesus critical with the woman with the issue of blood? No. Man, that woman deserved to be stoned to death out on the street because of the, the, the laws of that day. Was, it, was he critical with her? No, absolutely not. Was he jumping all over J. Iris's case about it? No. No, he had faith for those people, and those people were drawn to him. When you walk in faith because of controlling your life, people are drawn to you. Sometimes we don't even know why, but they're just drawn to us. Indeed, we put the bits in the horse's mouth, verse 3, that they may obey us and we turn their whole body. Look at this ship. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so the tongue, all those, all those things are big massive things from a body to a ship to a horse. And there's a little bitty thing that controls it. That's the way it is with a physical body, the small little tongue. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts of great things. See how great a forest a little, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it sets on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man contain the tongue. It is an unruly evil and full of deadly poison. I learned a while back that what that was saying right there was not that a man couldn't control his own tongue. He's talking right here that one man can't control another man's tongue because he's talking about how man controls and tamed the beasts, but no man can control another man's tongue, only you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Life and death are in the power of the tongue for my life. I choose daily by what I say whether I walk in blessing or destruction. 
Blessing or curse? I choose every day by the words of my mouth. I'm not letting anything get in my way. I'm speaking blessing and not cursing all the days of my life. I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Every minute of every day looking for good to say all the time. And I tell you, when you get on that path of only speaking the right things, what you're going to realize is how many negative things you say. Most people don't even realize. Most of us don't even realize all the negative that's in our life because of the negative society and flow that we live in. It's kind of like a whole group of boats rowing downstream. Everybody's doing the same thing. And you become, when you start watching what you say, you become like a guy coming the other direction. You stand out. What's that guy doing? Why do you say that? What's that about? How are people going to know any different? Unless we change what we say. And we begin to believe that what we say really matters and that it changes our lives. Amen? For every kind of beast and bird and reptile, creature of the sea is tamed. No man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the, in the similitude of the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be that, be that way. In fact, what it says is that it's impossible for it to be that way. You're either going to be in one flow or the other flow. You may be even saying a few things and thinking you believe a few things, but you're in one flow or another flow. And to get out of the old flow takes an everyday conscious effort of listening twice as much as you talk. And I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost in you will speak to you. I'm confident of it. Amen? Does the springs send forth fresh Water and bitter from the same opening. Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Impossible. It will not happen. Amen? So, look at Psalm 34 and verse 12. I want to read that up on the screen. Psalm 34 and verse 12. So watch this. We're going to have to dissect these three verses. Who, who is the man who desires life? Everybody say life. Number one. And, and who is the man who desires and loves many days? Number two. Everybody say many days. Number three. That he may see good in those many days. So we're looking here in this verse. All right, so the question is, who desires to live life in, in its fullness? And who desires to not just live days, you know, as far as they can, but many days, right, until they're satisfied? And, and that you don't just live many days angry and frustrated and just tolerating junk in life, but living to see good, okay? Who is the man who desires that? This is the guy in verse 13. Keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Go back to 12. 
Who is the guy who desires life, live many days, and all those days to be good days? Yeah, but Pastor, you don't know all the bad days in the past, no? That's the devil. devil's trying to get you to look behind. Paul said, one thing I do, forget what's behind, I'm pressing toward the future. Amen? I'm going to live today, right now, and the future. And my best days are here right now and before me. And they will be if I'm the man of verse 13. Keep my tongue from evil and my lips from speaking deceit. What's deceit? Compromise. Compromising with my mouth, speaking against people, against situations, always talking negative, always complaining, always this and that. I'm keeping my mouth. I'm not letting anything get in my way. Nothing. Because you know what? And we read this verse last week. Mark 11, verse 23 says, Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up, cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says shall come to pass, he will have everything that he says. So I said it like this last week. Remember I was giving different examples. People say, well, you know, people just don't like me. If you say so. If you say so. Well, nobody cares about if you say so. If you say so. But why not live our lives talking about how good everything is? Well, Pastor, that's just denial. Denial? You and I wouldn't be here if Abraham didn't call things that weren't as though they were. We wouldn't be here. You and I would not be here. So, well, but God, no, no, no. No, God had to find somebody that was going to live that kind of life. And now we have the faith of Abraham. It says, Abraham grew strong in faith, believing that what God had promised he was able to perform. And how long was that? From the time that God called him the father of many nations till the time that Isaac was born? 25 years. Hmm? So we have need of endurance. For when we do the will of God, then we receive the promise. What's the will of God? Getting this stuff right here lined up. Never saying the wrong thing. Why? Because I listen and I observe and then I do what God says instead of what I feel. And you know what that does? It lines your body up, man, like a bullet for a target. Lines you up. You find yourself not doing stupid things. <laughs> that sounds pretty easy. You mean, Pastor, all I got to do is clean up what I say? That's it. That's it. That's it. Clean up what you say, and that what you say will begin to line your life up. You know why? See, what we underestimate, it seems really simple, but we don't realize how negatively that we are tied to what we say and the negative world. But see, the way it lines it up is, See, the Bible is the answer to everything. And the Bible says faith and trust in God comes from hearing. Right? So when you're hearing yourself say what God says is so, what happens? When I hear myself say what God says is so, over time, it lines my life up. Why? Because you're going to believe you before you believe anybody. It's important to come here 
and to listen to preaching and listen to the teaching, but the teaching itself won't change you if you don't do anything with it. If you don't make sure what I'm telling you tonight is really true, it will not change you because you'll, you'll walk away, well, I don't, you know, we don't have to do all that. You know, we don't, I mean, I can say whatever I, you know, I can say, you know, my feet are killing me and that's not going to kill me. But it will over time because if you do say that, you'll say something else and something else and something else. So see, we're working on something. Anybody ever worked on something? Uh, when, when, I, when I was a, when I played golf growing up, man, I mean, I worked on that game. I, I worked on it. You know, when, when you play golf, you develop calluses on your fingers because we hit balls all the time, day after day after day after day after day. And then after a while, the calluses start busting. Your hands start bleeding. But, but you keep, you press through and you press through and you press through, you know, and you stay with it and you practice it and you do it. And why? Because I was working on something. And I practiced something so much that my, the muscle memory in my body, I, I could hit a golf shot in my sleep. I knew exactly what I could do. And then I started dreaming that I was going to win the U.S. Open and the Masters and the British Open and the PGA all in one year. But I believed I could do it because I had my, my muscles, I, I trained myself to hit it. I did it. I mean, I had some problems upstairs here, but I trained my body. You understand? There was stuff upstairs here because I, I wasn't born again at the time, and I had stuff upstairs, you know, fear and all this other stuff trying, trying to talk me out of being able to do what I knew I could do, Right? But I practiced and practiced and practiced. I'm working on something. When, you, when you're changing what you say, you're working on something because I want my whole body. I've just read you scriptures that are absolutes. Life and death are not in the power of the devil against your life. Life and death is in the power of what you say where your life is concerned. And you can choose to say what God says is already so for you, or you can choose to say what it looks like, how you feel, what things appear to be, and then it'll stay that way and it'll get worse. And yet, in the midst of all hell on planet earth, this is the greatest day for the church. It's the greatest time to be alive. But we're not here to be alive for ourselves. We're here to be alive to have faith for other people. That's the economy of God. In the process the blessing of God comes on you and overtakes you so that you can be the blessing that He created us to be. The economy is, of God is what you do for others is what will come back to you. Listen to this verse. What time is it? Whoops. Listen to this verse. Remember this verse. I didn't give him this verse, so it's not on the screen. Ephesians 6, 8. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he's slave or free, no matter what else about his life. No matter what, where you were born, what, what your background or anything else. Whatever knowing that whatever good anyone does for anybody else, the same God will make sure that happens to you. God never forgets a seed zone. Not just financial, in every way in your life. He never forgets a seed zone. 
And I'm telling you, some of you, some of you in this season that I just prophesied at the beginning of the service, some of you are stepping into that. It's here right now. You're going to see things happening. You think, well, you know, why did that happen now? Because God didn't forget seeds of the past. They're manifesting. They're coming to pass. Things are happening. We're living in a time where the world needs us. And they need us loving them. Right? Great commission, great commandment. Love God and people and make disciples. That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to, to demonstrate and to experience. So, back to Psalm. So, what was it? Psalm 34 and 13, and then I'm going to read verse 14. Keeping your, t- uh, let's say, go back to 13. Keeping your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Verse 14. Departing from evil and doing good seeking peace and pursuing it. That's what happens when you get your tongue in the right place. i got to say the right thing all the time. You go look in 1 Peter, uh, what is it, 1 Peter 3, 10 and 11, that same passage is, is uh, the, the prophecy of, of this Psalm 34 is in 1 Peter 3 the same way. So, I want to end really fast because we're, our time is up, but, I, but I, I want to read this and then I'm going to touch on this the next time that we meet. James 3, back to James 3, pick up the next verse where we left off. So we know what he just talked about in the first part of James 3. Verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but it's earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Everybody say there. Say this out of your mouth. Not for me. Amen. Why? Because I will not tolerate strife and division. I will not tolerate strife and division. You need to be saying that out of your mouth every day over everywhere you're at. I don't care where you're at, what you do. I don't care who's around you. Everybody doesn't have to hear you saying that. I will not tolerate strife and division. I will not allow what other people do to cause me to step into that world. I'm staying in my world. Amen? I'm going to stay in the world where I'm speaking the word. I'm declaring what God says. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm blessed coming in and going out. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And nothing's going to stop me. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. If my girls growing up heard this once, they heard it hundreds of times. I don't care what your sister did. I don't care what that one said. What God's going to look at in your life is what you do. And I'm telling you tonight, God is looking at us. Listen, God's not looking at you with this mean look. You better do right. He knows what our struggles are. He knows where we've been. He's just saying. This is what God's saying tonight. God's telling you right now, listen to your pastor. I heard him say that. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. You line your mouth up, everything else will work out. 
Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, maybe not next month, maybe it'll take a year or two, whatever. We ain't going nowhere. Huh? You, you, can, you can move to Timbuktu and still keep your mouth in line. Right? It doesn't matter where you live or what you, or what you do, you change jobs or whatever. Keep your mouth in line and there's no end to your success. The sky's the limit. There's no limitations over a person. Remember, a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. And then, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and hypocrisy. You need to go look at that 17th verse and let God really speak to you about all those different characteristics of the wisdom of God. Now, the fruit of righteousness is sown by peace by those who do what? I'm a peacemaker. Wasn't that a song from the 70s? I'm a peacemaker. Or should have been. <clears throat> no, what was that? Well, there was a song that was kind of like that. Oh, 60s song. Something. I'm going to rewrite it. I'm going to rewrite it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a peacemaker. Come on, everybody said, I'm a peacemaker. Woo! I'm a peacemaker. Man, it's not easy to do. Listen, listen, the most, the most empowering man on planet earth in his day was Moses. Why? Because the Bible said he was the meekest, most humble man that there was. Why? Because he came under and, and allowed the power of God to lift him, not him trying to do it on his own. When you come under, then wherever God goes, you go. But you come out from underneath that thing and you try to make it work, man, it's just ugly, you know, looking for someplace to happen. I don't want no ugly. I want the goodness of God. I'm a peacemaker. How about you? Father, tonight...